You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. There's not really much else to say about that. Um, I thought we were going to go through that game quicker than Menzel ran to the dressing room. (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I do want to say thanks again to Trent Block Hansen from the band Artificial Lift. Make sure you uh, Google them, artificialliftband.com. He has done all of the themes for uh, To and Out from the beginning of the podcast in mm-hmm. 2015. He's, uh, I'm trying to think, he's kind of like, uh, you know, the Dave Grohl when the Foo Fighters first started, playing every instrument. That guy's an all-world talent, man. Well, I mean, he's not as good as the drummer in that band, but he's okay. <laughs> like, Artificial Lift's drummer is pretty good. You know him? Yeah. He's my cousin, and he sold me his condo for cheap. Really? <laughs> yeah. How did I not know this? <laughs> I'm sure we've talked about it, but you just disregard everything I say. That's that's pretty fair. That's probably one of the <laughs> fairest things you've said on yeah, the podcast like, this I, year. I can't blame you. <laughs> so I, I do want to get an update from you. How's the clean drinking going? You're not drinking uh, the good old nectar of the gods, the Coca-Cola. I haven't had a Coke since Tuesday, and yeah. my life sucks. Have you, do you have any withdrawal symptoms? I am tired all the time. <laughs> How all much the sleep time. do you get? <laughs> like seven and a half, eight hours a night. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I, about you know, eight a.m. It's like, huh? We're at the gas station, filling up the truck. You know, run across the street. Or run across the parking lot to McDonald's to grab a breakfast sandwich, and you know that fountain Coke is just staring you right in the face. It's like, no, I'll just get the sandwich. And then you know it's like noon, going through town. Oh, gas station, maybe we'll stop in. Nope, grab a water. Like a loser. That's oh, just the worst. I did crush an entire bag of M and M almonds though before we recorded. M and M almonds. I like that idea. I go for the peanut or the peanut butter. But the almonds, because I like me some chocolate almonds. Usually they don't have the good old <laughs> M&M's candy on them. How are they? They're not as good as just plain chocolate-covered almonds. But, I mean, yeah. I had to get sugar somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, when, when people bring up, you know, addiction to all these different kinds of things, caffeine and sugar addiction is a real thing, and you don't realize it oh, until yeah. you stop doing it. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I've i got a double-double in my hands right now, so I got my sugar and caffeine intake uh, for the day in my hands. I probably did it half a coffee ago, really. but The worst part is that I le- I haven't like cleaned out the fridge for like two days. So like I have like leftover stuff in there, but I left the empty box, like the empty Coke case in the fridge. So every time I open the fridge, I'm like, oh, I got one more pop left, and I don't. And I just close the fridge because I'm mad, and I don't take the box out. You are officially a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. That's like, you know, keeping a picture of your ex-girlfriend by your bed. <laughs> or staying friends with her on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> 
Join 2-0 for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right. Well, <laughs> it was a big weekend in the Canadian Football League. And it started in Ottawa. Hamilton uh, falls to the Ottawa Red Blacks, a massive win for Ottawa, 35-31. I guess before we get started, Lewis Ward sets a pro football record for consecutive field goals. His parents were in the stands, and he did it in style. The record breaker was a 52-yarder. It was awesome. And he had lots of room to spare. He did. He he murdered that ball. Uh, you know, that... This is just, he's been a picture of consistency all year. Uh, I I don't know how you don't don't put him in the running for rookie of the year for at least for at least the East rookie. You know I've been uh, thinking about that as well. Um, there are some actually some rookies that aren't getting talked about. Don Sirocco has been starting on. I think it's Don Sirocco. He's been starting on the Tiger Cats offensive line uh, all year long. And he was just drafted this year. So for a rookie to get drafted mm-hmm. and start all season long, that is really impressive. So I, I think there's a good chance it's going to be uh, Sirocco um, versus Ward out of the uh, – it's Darius, sorry, out of the East. And then Roberson in the secondary for the Stampeders has been starting most of the year as well. So there are some good rookies just – you know, not guys that are getting uh, all of the spotlight. Because some of those secondary and offensive linemen guys, it's better if you don't talk about them. But Ward, mm-hmm. I can't see him losing a special teams uh, nod at the end of the season. I, I really can't think of anybody oh, better yeah. than him there, for sure. Yeah, and it's not like kickers are the sexy pick for rookie of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, he's got that going against him. You feel bad yeah. for the guy. Uh, it's not his fault, but he's a hell of a kicker. You can't go wrong with that. I, I'm rooting for him. If he if he gets two trophies in the case at the end of the season, I will not complain at all. Uh, what I found very surprising in this game, well, the Ticats kept ah, – they really kept Ottawa in it. Uh, they could have put Ottawa away. They, they were leading for – most of the game, and then the fourth quarter, Ottawa just kind of turned things on. And the momentum really changed. Delvin Bro ended up getting hurt. And uh, then Ottawa, they finished that drive with a touchdown. Then Brandon Banks gets hurt. And then the wheels kind of fell off the rails a little bit for Hamilton after that. And the offense really kind of stalled. And what I found surprising in this one is how William Powell was limited. I think at one point he had less than two yards of carry. And then <laughs> in the fourth quarter, basically the final drive of the game, Powell showed why he is so valuable to this Red Blacks team and put the game away and really iced it. But big Teddy Laron in the D line for Hamilton had a game here and they limited mm-hmm. Powell to 21 carries, 87 yards. <laughs> that is impressive to hold him to that. Uh, that that's so hard to do. He's such he's such a good physical runner, um, and a huge part of that Ottawa offense. And if they get him going, it's so much easier for them to get the rest of their offense going. Uh, you know, he only averaged four yards a carry when all was said and done. Uh, but when they needed him, he stepped up and, and performed for sure. 
it was kind of funny. At the end of the first half, it was kind of looking like, man, what's Trevor Harris doing here? And then <laughs> by the end of the game, he's 24 of 32, 75% completion percentage, 341 yards. He only had the one touchdown, but it turned out to be a nice game for Mr. Trevor Harris. And it really looks like... That connection with R.J. Harris is just getting better and better as the season goes on. He's kind of, uh, he hasn't had the production as he had uh, even, you know, six, seven weeks ago. But five catches for 128 yards here, it kind of takes the pressure off of your Sinopolis, your Ellingsons, and Spencers. If one of those guys aren't, you know, going off here, R.J. is there and proving that they found a nice little receiver here. Not not only takes pressure off for those other guys to perform, but you know, makes the defense think about a fourth target uh, coming out of that offense, and that that's gonna that just makes it so hard to cover. It, it just you know, the more weapons you have, the better. And if you have a guy that starts producing like he has been, and, and like he's shown that he can do, uh, you know, it's gonna open things up for the other guys. Um, and we've seen it with this team where you know guys will sacrifice their own stats uh, to make sure, or if a guy is hot. Uh, you know, to make sure that, that the whole team succeeds, not just worry about their stats. It's going to be a really interesting race here for most outstanding Canadian because Brad Sinopoli has over 100 catches on the season. He had eight mm-hmm. catches in this one on 10 targets for 113 yards. It's got to be Sinopoli versus Brad or Andrew Harris at the end, doesn't it? I would, I would think so. I, I don't think there's a lot of other... Uh, I mean, there's other options, but there's no there's nobody on their level right now. Where would your vote go? Uh, Sinopoli. Sinopoli, eh? Yeah, just he's just been. I I don't know. It's, it just seems you know Winnipeg Winnipeg relies a lot on Andrew Harris, and I get that he's a huge part of their offense. But Sinopoli, I mean, just a picture of consistency the last four years. And, you know, this, this year is no different. He's probably going to break the record for receptions by a Canadian, and I just think he's had, you know, just a better year. Let's talk about Hamilton here. Mazzoli, 33 of, or 23 of 34 for 342 yards. He had the three TDs and an interception. Um, Markway McDaniel gets his first catch as a Tiger Cat. Mike Jones has another long 43-yard reception. And Alex Green comes back, 15 carries, 61 yards. And I think the big thing here was the Red Blacks keeping him out of the end zone because this guy has been putting up scores left and right since he made his return this season. And I know it was his first game back off the six-gamer, but uh, it, it was big for Ottawa to limit Alex Green for sure. You limit Alex Green and, and you take away a huge weapon from that offense and you can kind of focus in on Banks, Tasker, uh, Mike Jones to a certain extent. And it just helps your secondary so much to, to know that they don't have to worry about crashing down on a run play or have to worry about getting blocked, uh, especially if the line and the linebackers can take care of that running game. So that was huge for the Ottawa defense. Now, Luke Tasker had an awesome game, seven catches, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, that was on 10 targets. It's clear that Mazzoli likes to go to him when the things get tough. And when they're really mm-hmm. close to the end zone, they're in the red zone, they like to go to Luke Tasker. But Brandon Banks has been unbelievable this season. He had eight catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown. But... He ends up leaving the game. It looked like a shoulder injury. If this is a long-term injury for the Tiger Cats, it comes at a brutal time for this team. 
broken clavicle out for the season. Um, you know, that's that's a tough pill to swallow for this offense right now. Uh, it's like, yeah, Luke Tasker, you know, only 60 yards, but, I mean, he still got two TDs. He, he can score. Banks just turns something out of nothing. seems every time that he gets the ball, he's able to make guys miss and make huge plays, and that's going to be uh, a huge hole for for the Tiger Cats to, to fill. And it just, you know, they they haven't beaten the good teams this year, and now it's going to be even tougher for them coming down the stretch without Banks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because these two teams go at it again in a slugfest mm-hmm. at Tim Hortons Field this week, and it's going to decide the Eastern Division and the Ticats without their biggest weapon. Mm, it's going to be tough to get ahead of Ottawa and win that. They did have Justin Buren come in. He's a rookie, four catches for 45 yards, so he did show some flashes. I, I mean, if you're thinking fantasy, Mike Jones... Maybe Justin Burren will be some cheap options, but Luke Tasker probably going to be the guy for the last few I would weeks think so, of yep. this season. But he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be in tough working against the team's best defenders, especially without Banks in there. And he gives up a lot of size. He does. Uh, well, hey, Banks does too, or, but he's got yeah. more speed than Tasker. Banks has more speed. Tasker, I, he will fight for every. Every ball, every yard that he gets. So I mean, it is a poss. It, it's or I shouldn't say it's a possibility, but I mean, it's he he has that that skill set that you know he might not be able to break the big play all the time, but he makes plays. He catches the ball. He move. He helps move that offense, which in turn, like when they move the ball down the field, it doesn't matter whether it's him, Banks, Green, Mike Jones, anybody. Uh, he's so sure-handed. Uh, you know, move the offense down and, and they get another crack at it and. You know, they can control uh, the clock and, you know, finish drives even without Brandon Banks, which is a distinct possibility. Uh, you know, they, they can beat Ottawa, but I think without Banks, um, and I know they had, uh, was it Sean Termis, Thomas Erlington returning kicks? It's not the same. Uh, so the field might be a little longer, but. Frankie Williams, he's shown or flashes Frankie Williams, too, sorry. So. Yep. So, I mean. You know, if they if they if they can get the same return game, I mean, and they get the same kind of field position to start, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, you know, it's just that Luke Tasker might be the first option instead of you know kind of that check down read uh, that we see so often from Masoli. All right, that second half of the Friday night doubleheader had the BC Lions beating the Edmonton Eskimos 42-32. There's a lot to talk about in this game. The way it started. It looked like the Eskimos were showing a lot of fire here. They were up 12 nothing, and the BC Lions were shooting themselves in the foot with some penalties. They had some, you know, big, big penalties that took a lot of field position off of the board. But after Edmonton goes up 12 nothing, Chris Rainey returns to the house, man. He had himself a 95-yard kick return for a touchdown, and then from then on out, it really looked like it was all BC. I, I know that Edmonton put another 20 points on the board after that, including a pick six from, um, what's that butthead's name? Aaron Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> Good old grimy, as he likes to be called. <laughs> yeah, he is grimy. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> it, it just seemed like all BC. The, the incredible thing here. Is I don't think Travis Lule had a completion until 18 seconds left in like the first quarter, 
and it was a touchdown pass. Devere Posey has arrived. So on the pod on Thursday, <laughs> I said he's going to have himself. It's a good shot for him to have a big, long touchdown in this one. He ended up having a 65-yard touchdown, but he added another two touchdowns on top of that. So he had five catches, 113 yards. Now, all of a sudden, Burnham and Posey are the dynamic duo of that Lions receiving core. It became a really big signing for them. And how about that trade for Tyrell Sutton? How do you not like watching this guy play? Because I, I feel like he has been almost forgotten about, not really forgotten about, but kind of overlooked because he's been in Montreal on these bad teams. Well, now he's in the Western Division, beaten up on Calgary, beaten up on Edmonton. It is going to be a war in Regina between the Lions and Riders this weekend. But Sutton, he's not going to run around you. He looks for no. contact. And how do you not like that? As a defender, it's like, oh, man, not again. Uh, yeah, get out of that guy's way. As a fan, it is great to watch. <laughs> he had 16 carries for 97 yards, so he had over six yards of carry. He he just gets out there and bowls people mm. over. And, I mean, the Eskimo secondary, if their defensive line can't get pressure – they're in trouble, and they were they were trying to blitz. And Lule, say this. I mean, I don't even know how to how do you, how do the stats even analyze this guy? Because he he goes fourteen for twenty one for two fifty one, two interceptions, but he added the four touchdowns. He he is so calm under pressure. It, you'd think after all the injuries in his career that when he's getting blitzed. He would be feeling the pressure, but no, he, he still doesn't care. And how do you not like that? I think the only team he really worries about is the Alouettes. Yeah, yeah, he, he's had some <laughs> bad luck against them. It's crazy. Uh, but it's in every big game, uh, he seems to show up, have a, have a hell of a game, put up the numbers that he needs to, to, to win. And again, and we saw it again on Friday night. I mean, they just... If they got to him, he was able to evade or, you know, get rid of that ball quick and, you know, just make sure that if he if his offensive line can protect him, that he could protect himself somewhat and made the plays he had to. He didn't put up – they weren't gaudy numbers by any no. means. I mean, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns is, is good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the two picks kind of takes away from that a little bit. But, I mean, he, he still he, – he played the game he had to to win, and that's exactly what you want at this time of year because it gets tough to win late in the year for sure. Oh, I think this tells the story for the Edmonton Eskimos. C.J. Gable, six carries for 11 yards. I, I don't get it. I, I, I know I know they were losing, but... Hey, they were up 12 nothing early, man, and then they gave up the return? The, that should have been C.J. Gable here to try and slow the yep. game down a bit. Oh, for sure. Control the clock. Try, try to punish the defense a little bit. Um that hashtag is starting to reappear on Twitter of hashtag run the damn ball. Uh, and it only seems to show up during Eskimo games, which is weird. Um, <laughs> I, I don't understand what Jason Moss is doing. I, if this is how they're going to use him, why did you why did you trade for him? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Okay. Unless so he's hurt. You don't understand what hurt. Jason Moss is doing. Let's talk about this then. Kicking on first down? <laughs> Two minutes is this left where we're in the going? game. You're yep. 
oh, about 30, 35 yard line, first, uh-huh. first and 10, and you kick the mm-hmm. field goal. Mm-hmm. You're down 10. You need the mm-hmm. touchdown anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what if you waste a minute 30 trying to get that touchdown? But what does it matter? You need the touchdown. Yeah, but you also need the field goal. <laughs> That's the last thing you got to worry about. It's unconventional. It's unconventional. I'll give you that. Um, at least it went forward on first down, so something happened. You, you know, you have the chance to redo it. Um, I understand the thinking that, you know, with two minutes left, there still be time uh, to, to get that touchdown. Um, but from where you are on the field, there's no reason that you can't take a couple shots. It just seemed like the wrong time to me because the Eskimo offense moved the ball to get to that point mm-hmm. and then just stalled the momentum. Yep. Yeah. Um, but like you, you're you're in the you're in the vicinity. There's no reason to not take a shot or two, uh, even if it even if it's not in the end zone. Get get down to the five, and you know you have C.J. Gable if you decide to ever use him again. Uh, you have Mike Riley. You have big guys in Bryant Mitchell and Duke Williams who in the red zone can, can go up and get a ball. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to waste a lot of time uh, taking two or three shots at the end zone and then deciding to kick the field goal then, but to do it on first down. Super unconventional. I get the idea of leaving the time on the clock for your offense if you can get the ball back, but it just it's a bad look for Moss again. Uh, and, you know, we are just become accustomed to seeing this. Can you agree with this? It just seemed like Moss was overthinking it. He out he out coached himself. I think it's just yeah, it's, you see it in baseball all the yeah. time with you know pitching changes and you know the NL is a is like just, ugh, it's so bad. Um, you, you see it in hockey with with coaches shuffling lines. You see, it just guys buying into analytics and all this stuff. And don't get me wrong, analytics tell you part of the story. They don't tell you the whole story. So. I mean, at some point, you got to go with your gut feeling and trust that you know you have the reigning MOP and one of and the top, the leading receiver in the CFL. I mean, how you don't give them a chance to to get you within three just doesn't make a lot of sense. And then, well, the defense had a shot at stopping them, and I I just don't think it was the right time to trust them. They, they, I think, they ended Mm -hmm. up taking a stupid penalty and. No. (laughs) And the, the Lions with Tyrell Sutton. You got to stop mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. the, but, but with that, you're they're going to kill a minute off the clock unless you use your timeouts and you don't have any timeouts left for your offense. So, I yeah, I don't. I <laughs> it was just another. We saw it in the West in the West final last year. Well, How then we he should have. <laughs> like he likes kicking field goals. I guess I don't know. Well, I I, I get like if they don't get the touchdown. If they don't get any points off that drive, it's over. Yeah, so I understand. On third. That, yeah, well, that's what. I, that, yeah, like I understand the whole kicking on first down uh, in case you you bobble something or whatever. But then take take a shot on first down and then kick it on second down if you're so worried about that. At least you know take that chance to get to maybe put six up. Um, but to just you know, basically waving a white flag on that and just saying yeah, we'll kick the field goal and just take it from there. You're down by seven. Uh, you, you have to make a stop. You have to get, make your, get your defense to make a play, and that second half wasn't very good for their defense. So, 
I don't know where I don't know what Moss is thinking. Uh, unconventional to say the least. Like I've said a couple times already, and we've it's it's a recurring theme for him. It seems. Did Duke Williams look like a different guy to you in this game? A little bit. He didn't look the looked a little more like Duke Williams. Well, he did, to me, he didn't look like he had the intensity and he didn't have the swagger, the confidence mm-hmm. that he has had in the past. But but he still had four catches for like he still he put up Duke Williams numbers. He did. Uh, but yeah, like the body language and the intensity and stuff, it just was that wasn't very Duke Williams esque. Yeah, there was a moment where they showed the receivers sitting on the bench, and it looked like they were just mm-hmm. sitting there pouting. And <laughs> what's that going to do? Uh, Brian Mitchell, he had himself another nice one, six catches for 110 yards and uh, a touchdown. But, man, uh, there's no intensity. It, it seemed like as soon as Rainey had that 95-yard touchdown, they were done. Well, and – as a team that still s- controlled their playoff destiny, yeah, yeah, that 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 is pathetic. That there's no excuse for that to be. You have to win this game. Buck up, because if you don't win this game, you need a lot of help. Um, you know, and you got to cheer for Calgary now. Like, how does that feel? How does that taste? Like, no, you you win this game and and you you have. You have control over your own over your own destiny for the rest of the year, and you know, like you said, after that rainy touchdown, they just they mailed it in. They 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 did not care, and that that is oh, it, it, it's just tough to watch a team do that on the sidelines. Like it, it's it's infuriating if you're a fan, um, you know, and being an Oilers fan for years, I I know what quitting looks like, and what you know, guys are sitting on the sidelines pouting. It just it just pisses you off to no end, so I can just imagine how Eskimo fans feel after that game. Mike Riley had 268 yards and a touchdown and his 13th rushing touchdown of the season. Uh, a big, big, big number. One behind uh, Doug Flutie's record of 14, but we'll talk about that record in just a little bit here. The Eskimos are not out of the playoffs yet. Like you said, they do need to cheer for Calgary and I kind of want to see Calgary beat Winnipeg, but I kind of want to see Winnipeg beat Calgary as a Ryder fan <laughs> so they can still have an outside shot at first. But Edmonton needs Calgary to go into Winnipeg and win. And then the last week of the season, it's Eskimos Bombers. It's all on the line at Commonwealth Stadium. As a fan, I think that's kind of what I want, those teams to Mm -hmm. slug it out on the last week of the season to get into the playoffs because that would be really, really fun to watch. But like you said, Edmonton had it in their hands. They had a 12-0 lead, and I know it's the CFL and points go on the board so fast and all of that, but the fire was totally extinguished when Chris Rainey is back uh, in this one and had a big return and he had a couple returns wiped off the board because of penalties as mm-hmm. well. So, well, and he put up 200 return yards still. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he had, he had 18 rushing yards, four receiving yards, 200 return yards and a touchdown, put up 17.2 points. Like he barely touched the ball and put up that number. So, uh, you know, he put the ball in his hand. Good thing. Hap- good things usually happen. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I don't want to sound like a, whiner here or anything i feel like he's been treated very poorly this season 
and I, I don't know if some of the poor production is all his fault. But maybe there's more things, you know, as far as attitude mm-hmm. goes that the coaches see and we don't. But it sure seems like uh, the benching and the scratches have really uh, lit a fire with Chris Rainey. Before we get to our next game, we're going to go through that game real, real quick. Uh, saying thank you to our friends at ATB Financial. They've actually got a new podcast that launched in September called We Are Alberta. It's hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford. Uh, they got a podcast coming out every month. So the next one's coming November 13th. If you want to check this out, they've had a couple cool episodes already. One about the legalization of cannabis. One about uh, Alberta's changing uh, energy sector. Um, the next one, you got to assume it's going to be a good listen again because Nick Ford knows what he's doing. ATB.com slash We Are Alberta. Check out the podcast at ATB.com slash We Are Alberta. The next game, uh, Johnny Manziel, uh, your lock of the week, did not close the deal. Uh, and the Argos end up beating the Owls 26-22. I just got a couple sentences on this game because it really didn't mean all that much. I'm impressed that the teams in this game, they showed a lot of passion, man. Uh, neither team really gived up, gave up. They, they, they showed up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go back to school, Travis. Um, and you know what? Uh, they showed a lot of fight in this one. Uh, the hit of the game might have been uh, Jim Pop getting leveled on the sideline. Oh, man. (laughs) I wonder if he's like, ah, the GM, maybe I shouldn't spend time on the sideline anymore. Yeah, I had to listen on radio, and it sounded like it hurt on there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There were a couple hundred-yard receivers in this one. Armani Edwards for the Argos. Actually, Eugene Lewis for the Alouettes. Uh, William Stanback had 118 yards. Manziel, uh, 220 in the air. 38 on the ground. Uh, James Franklin, 277 passing, two interceptions, but he had himself a rushing touchdown. His, uh, what, two rushing touchdowns, maybe? Uh, just whatever. He, <laughs> he has 14 on the season. That ties Doug Flutie for the record all time. I, I hope Franklin goes for uh, that record uh, before the season wraps up, but he might be the toughest quarterback to tackle in the CFL right now. When you watch short yardage plays with James Franklin, it's it's almost a given. And he's not just getting uh-huh. an inch over the first down marker. He's sometimes getting seven, eight, nine yards. And he bulldozed Brandon Dozier over. Yeah, and, and they mix it up. He's not always going behind the center. Sometimes he'll he'll be able to bootleg out or go over the guard. And, you know, when you don't exactly know where the guy's going – uh, you know, it's really hard to, to try to close that hole up. And that being said, too, they could have that play called, and, and he, he's so quick to recognize uh, what the defense is going to try to do, uh, whether they're going to try to, you know, crash down on the center or on one of the sides, and he goes the other way. And that's what we saw on on the first one or on the on the tying uh, touchdown. So, yeah, it, it's really hard to defend this guy. He's so mobile, um, you know, and – the more reps he gets, I mean, the better the better he will become as a quarterback. Uh, whether or not that's, we assume he's going to be a starter for the rest of the year, and maybe to start next year. And just, I think the more reps he gets, just, he's going to start he's going to start playing uh, like a like a starting quarterback in this league and start putting up big numbers. 
As far as uh, quarterbacks go, man, Johnny Manziel, <laughs> he had a chance to lead the Owls down the field and uh, win this one with a game-winning touchdown. But on the very last play of the game, okay, let's talk about the second, second last, last play. play. Uh, Manziel takes an intentional grounding penalty. Mike Sherman throws in Antonio Pipkin for the final play of the game uh, for the Hail Mary. How many times have you seen this where a quarterback goes or a coach goes to the backup for the Hail Mary on the final play of the game? I don't know if I've ever seen that. It, it's happened. It happened in the NFL earlier this year. I think it was Buffalo. Um, oh, no, it was Indianapolis because Andrew Luck's shoulder. Uh, that's not instilling a lot of confidence in your starter. No way. And I, it comes as no surprise. It was Mike Sherman that did this. Uh, Shinetti reported after the game. Uh, that Manziel is the quarterback right now, uh, according to Adarius Bowman. According yeah. to Mike Sherman, he is not sure. Really? Yeah. So there's that. Okay, one word. Is Sherman back next year? Oh, man, probably. <laughs> okay, one city. Where's Tressman coaching next year? Huh. I think it could be Edmonton, Montreal, or BC. Yeah, that's yeah. I could see that. And this sounds like a bold prediction. I think Tressman goes where Riley goes, and I think Riley goes where Tressman goes. Unless it's Montreal, I can't see Mike Riley going to the East. Could you imagine? <laughs> that that would flip the CFL upside down if that happened. It, it'd be it'd be Anthony Calvillo all over again. And we can start hitting Montreal all over again. Yeah, yeah. Here's the new scenario: Riley's not going to re-sign in Edmonton, so they trade him to Montreal for Johnny Manziel. Tressman goes to Montreal. Jason Moss and Manziel on the same team in Edmonton next year. Oh, ho, ho, let the circus come to Alberta, baby! I don't, I don't know if Jason Moss is going to be there next year. Well, if it's Manziel, oh yeah, he will be. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, because he's a real quarterback whisperer. <laughs> hey, you know what? I think Matt Mind you, Moss if you whisper, Jason Moss OC. is going to hear it no matter where you are. <laughs> and he he was great in Ottawa as an OC. And I think there's a lot of experiences and uh, things that Moss is learning from this first head coaching gig. I don't know if he's going to be the guy next year, but... No matter what, I, I do think Jason Moss is a good OC, and there's there's mm-hmm. not really much else to say about that. Um, I thought we were going to go through that game quicker than Menzel ran to the dressing room. <laughs> Let's go to McMahon Stadium. Holy crap! I don't know where to start here. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders beat the Calgary Stampeders 29-24. The Stamps actually did lose two in a row at home last year. But two in a row overall, is it 2012 the last time they've lost two in a row? Yeah, and I believe it was 2014. I know they didn't get swept uh, by the Riders, but, I mean, the Riders still won two of the three. But the last time the the Stamps were swept in a season, I believe, it was 2013. By one like team? In a, season, in a season series. Wow. So, yeah, they, they have been dominant for a while. It's like, not, not that that's breaking news. Yeah, I mean, everybody. But, yeah, I think it was 2012 last time they, they lost two in a row. So 
The Riders got shut out last week, 31 nothing to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And on the opening drive, they looked like a completely different team. They, they drove down the field, and I know it only resulted in a field goal, but, man. And, and then we've got a couple short drives. Bartell has a terrible line drive punt, and Romar Morris returns it to the house. Stamps are up 7-3. But then Zach Caleros and the rider offense drives down the field and scores a touchdown, taking a 10-7 lead in the first quarter. The I'm not convinced offense, that was actually Zach Kalaros. You texted me. You said, who's playing quarterback for the Riders? Because <laughs> it definitely wasn't Kalaros from what we've seen this year. <laughs> now, I, I I don't know if you got the stats. I think we're going to need to get this for Thursday's show. Zach Kalaros versus the Calgary Stampeders, and then Zach Kalaros versus everyone else. I have them. You do? I do. Okay, what's it look like? Is it a big difference? It's huge. <laughs> this is crazy to me. I can't wait to hear this. Okay, so Kalaros first the Stamps. In the two games he's played this year, has averaged seven, 311 yards. Okay. Uh, you know, average 23 completions, 35 attempts, no touchdowns, no picks. 12.8 fantasy points. Rest so of the, the league, fantasy he points aver- isn't big, but no turnovers and over 300 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Rest of the league, 211 yards. 17 completions on 30 attempts, 9 touchdowns, 13 picks. Are you... <laughs> How does that work? Uh, you tell me. And like, you it doesn't make any and... sense. Okay, Charleston Hughes didn't play in this game. Um, Thursday, Jones said he was going to play. I don't want to talk about this much. It's been beaten like a dead horse. Friday... It ends up that Hughes is not going to play, and just judging by the way that Chris Jones was in the interview, I don't—I'm not sure it was his decision. Um, so I don't know if it came from um, the board, the league, bet. all of the above, uh, getting together and you know uh, saying, "Okay, maybe maybe not play Charleston in this one." But what I will say about the situation—it almost seemed like a blessing for this team. That at practice, instead of being grilled about a 31 nothing shutout to the Bombers, <laughs> they're being grilled about Charleston Hughes. Yeah, uh, that, that, that could be, you know, just it, it's a totally different narrative now. And, you know, last week is kind of, it's easier to put it behind them, uh, that performance in, in Winnipeg. So that, that probably played a little bit of a part. Um, and like you said, I don't know. I don't think it was Chris Jones' decision. Um, I think they found out something that they know what's going to happen, and so they're getting out in front of it. You know, maybe maybe uh, Hughes told them, hey, I'm going to plead guilty. Yeah, maybe something like that, and they're going to get out in front of it, take care of it internally, and maybe the league doesn't, uh, you know, add any supplemental discipline on top of that. Um, I, I don't, we don't know that for sure, but, I mean, we've seen guys with DUIs not get benched. So that's what makes me think there's something else uh, in the works. And it, it's almost like they wanted to bench him for the Calgary game so he was ready for BC next week. And <laughs> and I know, here's the thing, when Chris Jones wears as many hats as he does, as the VP, the GM, the coach, the DC, as the coach of the shirts. DC, his job 
is to win football games at all costs, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I think it's hard for him to separate from that and look at the PR perspective because mm-hmm. there is part of that, and I think it's a very dangerous game to play. The court of public opinion, like, should the masses be able to change decisions because of Twitter and Facebook? I really, I think that's kind of a dangerous game to play. I don't know if that makes me sound like a, uh, yeah. I don't know, a wacko or anything. But hey, we, we've been to Ryder games. Charleston Hughes getting a DUI is at least the worries when there's 30,000 people leaving that stadium. and Hitting Highway 11 to Saskatoon or wherever. There, there's quite a few that shouldn't be getting behind the wheel. So, I mean, there's bigger fish to fry here. Yeah, so he got his punishment. He got benched. And uh, I think the 34-year-old, of course, he didn't want the game off. Uh, but he'll, his legs will appreciate it. And he might end up back at Calgary mm-hmm. for his first game in the West Final. And what a story that will end up being if the Riders somehow get to McMahon um, for the West Final or vice versa. If these teams play in maybe the, playoffs, the West Final, maybe the West Final will be in Regina. Yeah, that that could happen. The way <laughs> things are going for the Stampeders and the way the Bombers have looked before this bye week, because the Bombers mm-hmm. uh, or the Stamps were just in a slugfest in this one, and I think it needs to be talked about. Cameron Marshall here had eleven rushes for 76 yards he had two catches for 28 he had another 58 return yards I think Trey Mason lost his job here (sighs) well I mean Marshall had a way better day on the ground but Mason did have a touchdown Uh, but yeah when you text me that I was like well I I can see it because Mason hasn't been consistent uh, you know, since he's been in the lineup, and it just—you never know what you're getting. Like seven to twenty-three, anybody can do that. We don't need to be paying Trey Mason to do it when Cameron Marshall's putting up eleven for seventy-six. And uh, it doesn't get talked about as much as it should for running backs. But how how valuable was Cameron Marshall in the backfield as an extra blocker? Mm-hmm. And we we've said that before when he was when he was on the team and hurt last year. How how he's able to hide the struggles of the offensive line when they have trouble blocking because he's such a good pass blocker. Um, and, we, and we saw it again, you know, when he's in, when he's in there and, and they, don't, <clears throat> they don't send him out uh, as a receiver and he's able to stay in there and block gives Kalaros that much more time. So I think if you got to pick two out of three between Marshall, Mason, and Thigpen, you pick Thigpen and Marshall. Yep. Uh, and that's just me. I, I, I do. Marshall's way more. He's a more dynamic back. He's a more versatile back. Uh, you know, he's able to to leak out and and make catches. Whereas Trey Mason, just I don't know. He he doesn't get it done on the ground. I mean, he's had one maybe two good games this year. Uh, you know, he doesn't. He's not the best receiving back that we've ever seen. Not that Cam Marshall is, but I mean, on this team, he's not. He's not better than him or Thigpen. So I, his I. I don't understand why he would still be getting in the lineup if you have Marshall and Thigpen going and healthy. And you know what? I thought Marshall should have been on the team in training camp. He did hurt himself Labor Day last year, and he was looking great up until that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But now he's fresh. Uh, Obviously, he's healthy. He was a big part of this win against Calgary, and so is Jordan Williams-Lambert. He comes back in this one, five catches on seven targets for 113 yards. Just a great game here. And Kyron Moore had a 
bounce-back game. Five catches on six targets for 68 yards. Both those guys combined, you got yourself about uh, 28.7 fantasy points there. And just comparing it to last week, Kyron Moore had himself a real bounce-back game here. And they're doing this without the leader of the receiving core, Naaman Roosevelt. These young guys, I think there's a lot of potential there. And KD Cannon even had himself uh, a couple nice catches in this one. Williams Lambert, if he stays here, is an absolute monster. And if there's good quarterback play and good protection, this guy could be an all-star next season. Without a doubt. Uh, He's showing... Numerous times this year now that uh, he can go up, get the ball, and, and you know make guys miss. We saw it on Saturday. Turns around on a hitch route or on a like kind of a screen, and he I don't know how he found room between the defender and the sideline, and, and you know make make a guy miss, make another guy miss, get yards. Uh, it's it it's great to catch the ball, but if you can make plays afterwards, and you know gain extra yards by making guys miss or, you know, being physical, that that's even more of an added asset for this offense, especially with Naaman Roosevelt out. They, they need guys to step up. So all three Ryder quarterbacks got into the game. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, well, maybe three out of the four. Maybe I should say that. David Watford even had a 10-yard carry. But Nick Marshall comes in, and it was almost the exact same play they tried against Edmonton a few weeks ago in Regina, just the other way, had himself, what, about a 20, 24-yard gain there and no flag on the play. Now, when we talk short yardage, I guess we can call them quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League. I think it's Nick Marshall, Mike Riley, James Franklin, and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, percentage-wise, it was that Yeah, yeah. Uh, early in the year. I, I, I think I would put... You know, James Franklin, and Mike Riley ahead, just on the sole purpose that they can do a little more than, than yeah. Nick Marshall, uh, maybe through the air. Uh, but yeah, he has been, uh, you know, just a guy you can plug in on the goal line, one yard and inside the two, basically, and you know, you can almost just put six points up. Uh, and and when with this offense struggling the way it is to score touchdowns with Kalaros behind center, it's kind of a breath of fresh air when they can get. Uh, you know, he might not be uh, your, one of your three quarterbacks, but, you know, a guy that can come in and, and be a quarterback, so to speak, and, and put points up for you. So can uh, Nick Marshall uh, be the <laughs> third-string quarterback and DB? Like, be like the 60s and the guy playing both ways? <laughs> Why not? Hey, let Bridge go. Keep Watford, Caleros, and Marshall. There you go. <laughs> Oh, man. You have a lot of people angry at you. <laughs> um, the Ryder offensive line and Josiah St. John got off to a rough start. Um, it, Shocker. It looked very shaky in the first half, but they turned it around. And mm-hmm. I think a big part of that, well, not only is Cam Marshall in the backfield, but Brandon Labatt being the leader at center and helping out these guards. And just hitting basically Micah Johnson in the face and Micah didn't like it. And we'll get to that. He really did not like getting hit in the face with the big boys on the rider offensive line. It was a warfare in uh, the trenches in this one, but 
How big is that trade for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to trade Josh Stanford in a pick to Montreal for Patrick Lavoie and Philip Blake? Lavoie in this one had five catches for 30 yards. He's another valuable blocker. And Blake has been starting as well. It, that mm-hmm. trade is a big one for this Ryder team. It's huge. You can never have too much offensive line depth. I don't know how many times we have to say this. And Philip Blake you know, has started every game that he has been in the CFL for. That's awesome. So you, so you know that he is serv- a serviceable guard in this league. And, you know, I say that sarcastically. He's damn good. Um, yeah. You know, and if, if with Labatt playing center, uh, you know, St. John in there playing on the other side of him, uh, you know, he's Labatt such a leader on that offensive line, uh, you know, and to piss Micah Johnson off is funny to me <laughs> just because he never shuts up. So, uh, but if they can, wait, if they can keep a group together, um, and, you know, they can start to become a cohesive unit and to have Cameron Marshall back there in case something does go wrong up front uh, as that sixth blocker. It, this team can do a lot of things offensively. And like Patrick Lavoie had a, had a really good game too. So, I mean, the offense, again, struggled to score, but uh, that offensive line looked looked pretty good in that second half after they kind of got everything sorted out there early. The offense, while they did... They didn't finish many drives. Lowther had to kick five field goals. Um, the Stampeder defense does tighten up when it gets close to the end zone. So mm-hmm. uh, the the fact that they were able to move the ball, um, there were a lot of long fields for this one in Saskatchewan because you got Rob Maver punting the ball back there, one of the best in the league, and the Riders and Zach Caleros were able to get themselves out of trouble a lot, and that's a lot more than we can say about this offense in the past. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was, honestly, it, it blew me away because I, I don't have much confidence in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders offense, but there were times when they were taking penalties and there was some second and long situations, but Caleros was able to convert them. And but you cited the stats, Caleros versus Calgary and Caleros versus everybody else. It they just come into this one just a lot more prepared. It, it's it's quite crazy to watch actually. But I wanted to ask you. I was in the stands. I ended up yeah. I ended up going to the game with my dad. Uh, we had a wonderful. Yeah, it was time. nice to see you brought your bodyguard. <laughs> McMahon Stadium. You know, it's not the best place. We know that. But they got some damn good food there, man. We had a beef sandwich. And this thing, it looked like they were cooking it for about 18 hours. They freshly sliced it for you. It was just absolutely beautiful. So uh, McMahon Stadium, they they actually got some good food there. But what did you make of the two offensive pass interference calls against Saskatchewan? One on Shaq Evans, one on Jordan Williams-Lambert. And one was actually challenged by Dave Dickinson. Haven't really seen many offensive pass interference calls get challenged and overturned. At some point, you gotta let you gotta let the guys play. Um, that being, I, with that though, I mean, if the offense, if if the receiver is going to initiate contact and, and you know try to be a little more physical and, and maybe affect the DB has the same right to the ball that that the receiver does, so. I mean, I get it. Uh, I think those calls could have went either way. Um, it, 
I don't know. I I've struggled with the pass interference challenge. Uh, I understand why why they have it. Um, I just don't like judgment calls being able to be challenged, and it it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, it, it just it's it's so much different when you can slow it down and look at it. Than of course, in real everything time. looks like and interference. You, it's slow motion. So then you can exactly right. So you can find so much more stuff. Uh, it takes away a little bit of the nuance. So. Jordan Williams Lambert on his, he straight up extended his arm. And as soon as you mm-hmm. extend your arm the full length, you get in trouble a little bit there. Even if you're not pushing. Yeah. So if he didn't extend okay. it the whole way, I think it would have been okay. I have not mm-hmm. seen the Shaq Evans call, but uh, it seems very rare that you see two offensive pass interference calls on one team. Um, a shout out needs to go to Ed Ganey for that tackle. To stop the two-point conversion to keep Saskatchewan um, five points up on the Stampeders. Mike Adam had an interception, and I know he got a penalty on the last drive of the game. But what a hit! And mm-hmm. it kind of seemed, kind of seemed like a statement hit. You know, uh, you're not going to roll over us easy uh calgary Mm -hmm. and the next game this is what you have to look forward to i'm glad that uh the receiver is able to bounce up but this this adam guy he's really coming into his own here on this rider defense if you want that if you want that part of the field you're gonna have to pay the price to get it and that's what he did uh he kind of just shook somewhat standing up for his team, uh, you know, showing that they're not going to back down to anybody. Don't care that, you know, this is the best team in the league. Um, just plays tough, hard, uh, hard-nosed football. Uh, it's just so nice to watch. Um, you know, we've gone, when especially as riders, we've gone through years where it seemed like guys were afraid to make a hit. <laughs> and, you know, yardage yeah, is really guys easy. literally stepping out of the way. Yeah, yardage was really easy to gain. Uh, so it was nice to see that change. As for that Marquis Ambles two-point convert, I don't know what that referee was watching. I saw it from the stands. I was in the end zone. I'm like, he did not break the plane. No, and, and in real time, from the angle they had, super quick, it's like maybe he extended somewhere and we just didn't see it from the angle. And then they show it from the other side, and it's like he barely got past the one-yard line. So I don't know what – like. I guess you call it a two-point convert and it gets automatically reviewed. So yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter, but it just looks really bad. Yeah, Ganey has made some big tackles the last few weeks. Bryant Mitchell on the Hail mm-hmm. Mary and that big stop on uh, the two-point conversion. I'm interested to see what your uh, perspective was watching on TV because this game was very chippy. There were a lot of scrums and... Usually, offensive linemen, especially Brandon Labatt, they're not, he's not a big talker and he's not a big trash talker. So, what was Micah Johnson fired up about? Was he, just him getting shut down and hit in the mouth that was not making him happy or what? I, I think so. Um, you know, I was busy doing stuff for work and kind of, I was watching the game and having to do stuff, but at halftime, like, this is what I find hilarious. So at halftime, Micah Johnson and, and some of the Stampeders, as they're going, as everybody's going to the room, get in the face of the riders, it gets broken up, whatever. This continues throughout the entire game. 
and it was chip it was chippy both ways like nobody played exactly clean uh when they got into piles I'll, there was stuff you would notice uh but then Micah Johnson takes a boneheaded penalty in the end zone yeah and gave and him a compl- first down right and then goes to his teammates and like oh man I don't know what that was about like you read his lips i mean some choice words were spoken i'm sure but like what what are you what are you complaining about, man? You're, you're being dumb. Like, if if you're gonna if you're gonna give up penalties like that, I mean, it's really you're putting your you're putting your team uh, up against back against the wall, making it really hard for you to win football games. It's just they lost their head a little bit. They lost their cool, uh, Michael Johnson especially. And you know, it, I'm not gonna say that's what cost them the game, but it definitely didn't help. Well, and one of the plays Micah made in the first half, the sack, and he just made St. John look like a goof. He's a good player. And at the Mm -hmm. end of the game, and this wasn't even on TSN, there was another scuffle when TSN already turned away and guys were getting knocked down. Jones ran in there. It was kind of funny because half the teams are praying at center field. The other half is fighting. Like, (laughs) this... This war and peace, man. War and peace. <laughs> if these teams play in the in the playoffs, it is going to be a battle. I do want to read this Facebook message we got from Richard Stampeders fan. Uh, he says, "As season ticket holders, we always dread Riders games because of the plethora of knuckle dragging mouth breathers that always show up wearing green shirts." Hey, thanks, Richard. Is that a shot at me? Uh, <laughs> So he goes, so when a family of four Riders fans sat down in front of us, I was glad that we'd at least be free of the usual drunken Rider fan antics and just enjoy some of the good-natured banter. I will say this. I saw a Rider fan spill beer on a girl. He offered her 50 bucks. <laughs> you can spill beer on me, man. I'll take 50 bucks. Anyway. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Uh, then he goes, what I did not expect, expect was for the son maybe 10 years old, to turn out to be a Stamps fan. Watching this intrepid boy going nose-to-nose with his father, arguing over play calls, both amused and inspired, half our section. My wife and I liked him so much that we bought him a Stamps hat. It's only fitting that in a house of green, the boy should have some red to defend himself with. So as I've read some ballyhoo about the league's fans getting older and the CFL dying, I meet kids like this, and I know the future is bright. As a Ryder fan myself, Richard, that was well written. <laughs> and you know he paints Ryder fans with the same, he paints all Ryder fans with the same brush, which is pretty fair because there is <laughs> not a lar- there is not a big amount of Ryder fans who aren't that. Especially uh, the ones that show up in Calgary. There's there's some classy yeah. that show up, but uh, in the end zones in Calgary, maybe in between the sidelines, it gets a little bit crazy. But last note of the season or the podcast, I want to ask you, Brazilian Ty, and hey, maybe maybe you can answer this on Twitter at Two and Out CFL, uh, Facebook, uh, send us a message there, or email Two and Out CFL at Gmail dot com. If when the Atlantic Schooners come into the league. You got five teams in each, each division. And you're going to think mm-hmm. I'm an idiot for saying this. But what about an unbalanced schedule where 
a team plays 10 inside its division and eight outside of it. Because what we are seeing here at the end of the season with all of these interdivisional games is absolutely phenomenal. There is no better way to wrap up a season. And with this <laughs> Stampeders Riders slugfest, I don't care if I see that four or five times a season instead of just two or three. I almost want to see that more. What do you think of an unbalanced but, schedule? Because I'm, I saw that suggestion, and I'm kind of getting behind that a little bit. That's what, that's what you do in in professional sports. Um, look at Major League Baseball. You play 19 games against your division opponents, each one, and you only play six or seven against everybody else. So unless if if they're going to keep two divisions, and that's going to matter for playoffs, it has to be unbalanced. Uh, if you're going to play if if you're going to play everybody twice, if you're going to play everybody twice, there's no need for divisions because it's meaningless. Exactly. So if you keep the divisions, unbalanced schedule, because what we're seeing here between the Stamps, Riders, Esks, Lions, and Bombers is unbelievable, and this is exactly what we want as fans. It is still not decided, as uh, only the Lions, Riders, and Stamps have it figured out to get into the playoffs. The Bombers and Esks are still fighting, and two weeks left. So I absolutely love what is happening in the CFL right now. Unbalanced schedule or not, at 2 and out CFL, uh, let Brazilian tie and I know what you think. And it only gets better <laughs> as we still got two weeks left in the season. Oh, man, I got to say, man, the chill in the air October football, I absolutely love, man. And guys start to hate each other, whether oh, yeah. it's on the same team or on the other team. And it just makes it so much better. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to watch the offensive line uh, in Saskatchewan go toe-to-toe with Sean Lemon and Odell Willis the other way. It's, and Calgary, mm-hmm. Winnipeg is going to be a fun one to watch as well. So uh, next week. We get week, to watch the rematch of Toronto-Montreal this oh, week. Oh, yeah. Another game of, uh, <laughs> game of the season. It just gets better and better. Uh, we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Stay tuned to Two and Out for maybe a cool announcement happening. Uh, Grey Cup Week, and well, we'll announce it before then, but it might happen. Grey Cup Week, so we hope to see you there. Uh, Alberta Podcast Network dot com. Um, check out Press Start to join. I don't know about you, getting cold outside. I like to sit on the couch and play some video games, so that's what these guys do. Josh and Alan talk about video games, movies, TVs, comics, Star Wars. Does it get any? Is there anything else to talk about? Well, football. No, and probably. <laughs> well, I don't. Like, it doesn't even have to be cold out for me to want to stay inside and play video games all day. Yeah, yeah. Is it really hot out? I'll stay inside and play video games. Plus ten, I'll stay inside and play video games. So, <laughs> I get text, but I take a text message from my buddy's wife. It's thirty degrees outside. You better, you better not be locked in your basement. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Go outside and mow the lawn? I don't even own this place. <laughs> Press start to join a part of the Alberta Podcast Network. We will talk to you Thursday morning. Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription on iTunes, and uh, we'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.